Chapter Seven of A Phantom Lover by Vernon Lee. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. From that moment, I noticed a change in William Oak or rather a change that had probably been coming on for some time got to this stage of being noticeable i don't know whether he had any words with his wife about her masquerade of that unlucky evening on the whole i decidedly think not oak was with every one a diffident and reserved man and most of all so with his wife besides i can fancy that he would experience a positive impossibility of putting into words any strong feeling of disapprobation towards her that his disgust would necessarily be silent but be this as it may i perceived very soon that the relations between my host and hostess had become exceedingly strained mrs oak indeed had never paid much attention to her husband and seemed merely a trifle more indifferent to his presence than she had been before but oak himself although he affected to address her at meals from a desire to conceal his feeling and a fear of making the position disagreeable to me very clearly could scarcely bear to speak to or even see his wife the poor fellow's honest soul was quite brimful of pain which he was determined not to permit to overflow and which seemed to filter into his whole nature and poison it this woman had shocked and pained him more than was possible to say and yet it was evident that he could neither cease loving her nor commence comprehending her real nature i sometimes felt as we took our long walks through the monotonous country across the oak-dotted grazing grounds and by the brink of the dull green serried hop-rows talking at rare intervals about the value of the crops the drainage of the estate the village schools the primrose league and the iniquities of mr gladstone while oak of oakhurst carefully cut down every tall thistle that caught his eye i sometimes felt i say an intense and impotent desire to enlighten this man about his wife's character i seemed to understand it so well and to understand it well seemed to imply such a comfortable acquiescence and it seemed so unfair that just he should be condemned to puzzle for ever over this enigma and wear out his soul trying to comprehend what now seemed so plain to me but how would it ever be possible to make the serious conscientious slow-brained representative of english simplicity and honesty and thoroughness understand the mixture of self-engrossed vanity of shallowness of poetic vision of love and morbid excitement that walked this earth under the name of alice oak so oak of oakhurst was condemned never to understand but he was condemned also to suffer from his inability to do so the poor fellow was constantly straining after an explanation of his wife's peculiarities and although the effort was probably unconscious it caused him a great deal of pain the gash the maniac frown as my friends call it between his eyebrows seemed to have grown a permanent feature of his face mrs oak on her side was making the very worst of the situation 
Perhaps she resented her husband's tacit reproval of that masquerade knight's freak, and determined to make him swallow more of the same stuff, for she clearly thought that one of William's peculiarities, and one for which she despised him, was that he could never be goaded into an outspoken expression of disapprobation, that from her he would swallow any amount of bitterness without complaining. At any rate, she now adopted a perfect policy of teasing and shocking her husband about the murder of Lovelock. She was perpetually alluding to it in her conversation, discussing in his presence what had or had not been the feelings of the various actors in the tragedy of 1626, and insisting upon her resemblance to, and almost identity with, the original Alice Oak something had suggested to her eccentric mind that it would be delightful to perform in the garden at oakhurst under the huge ilexes and elms a little mask which she had discovered among christopher lovelock's works and she began to scour the country and enter into vast correspondence for the purpose of effectuating this scheme letters arrived every other day from the theatrical cousin whose only objection was that oakhurst was too remote a locality for an entertainment in which he foresaw great glory to himself and every now and then there would arrive some young gentleman or lady whom alice oak had sent for to see whether they would do i saw very plainly that the performance would never take place and that mrs oak herself had no intention that it ever should she was one of those creatures to whom realization of a project is nothing, and who enjoy plan-making almost the more for knowing that all will stop short at the plan. Meanwhile, this perpetual talk about the pastoral, about Lovelock, this continual attitudinizing as the wife of Nicholas Oak, had the further attraction to Mrs. Oak of putting her husband into a condition of frightful, though suppressed, irritation, which she enjoyed with the enjoyment of a perverse child you must not think that i looked on indifferent although i admit that this was a perfect treat to an amateur student of character like myself i really did feel most sorry for poor oak and frequently quite indignant with his wife i was several times on the point of begging her to have more consideration for him even of suggesting that this kind of behavior particularly before a comparative stranger like me was very poor taste but there was something elusive about Mrs. Oak which made it next to impossible to speak seriously with her, and besides I was by no means sure that any interference on my part would not merely animate her perversity. One evening a curious incident took place. We had just sat down to dinner, the Oaks, the theatrical cousin who was down for a couple of days, and three or four neighbors. It was dusk, and the yellow light of the candles mingled charmingly with the grayness of the evening. Mrs. Oak was not well, and had been remarkably quiet all day, more diaphanous, strange, and far away than ever, and her husband seemed to have felt a sudden return of tenderness, almost of compassion for this delicate, fragile creature. We had been talking of quite indifferent matters when I saw Mr. Oak suddenly turn very white and looked fixedly for a moment at the window opposite to his seat. "'Who's that fellow looking in at the window and making signs to you, Alice?' "'Damn his impudence!' he cried, and jumping up, ran to the window, opened it, and passed out into the twilight. 
we all looked at each other in surprise some of the party remarked upon the carelessness of servants in letting nasty-looking fellows hang about the kitchen others told stories of tramps and burglars mrs oke did not speak but i noticed the curious distant-looking smile in her thin cheeks after a minute william oke came in his napkin in his hand he shut the window behind him and silently resumed his place well who was it we all asked nobody i-i must have made a mistake he answered and turned crimson while he busily peeled a pear it was probably lovelock remarked mrs oke just as she might have said it was probably the gardener but with that faint smile of pleasure still on her face except the theatrical cousin who burst into a loud laugh none of the company had ever heard lovelock's name and doubtless imagining him to be some natural appanage of the oak family groom or farmer said nothing so the subject dropped from that evening onwards things began to assume a different aspect that incident was the beginning of a perfect system a system of what i scarcely know how to call it a system of grim jokes on the part of mrs oke of superstitious fancies on the part of her husband a system of mysterious persecutions on the part of some less earthly tenant of oakhurst well yes after all why not we have all heard of ghosts had uncles cousins grandmothers nurses who have seen them we are all a bit afraid of them at the bottom of our soul so why shouldn't they be i am too sceptical to believe in the impossibility of anything for my part besides when a man has lived throughout a summer in the same house with a woman like mrs oke of oakhurst he gets to believe in the possibility of a great many improbable things i assure you as a mere result of believing in her and when you come to think of it why not that a weird creature visibly not of this earth a reincarnation of a woman who murdered her lover two centuries and a half ago that such a creature should have the power of attracting about her being altogether superior to earthly lovers the man who loved her in that previous existence whose love for her was his death what is there astonishing in that mrs oke herself i feel quite persuaded believed or half believed it indeed she very seriously admitted the possibility thereof one day when i made the suggestion half in jest at all events it rather pleased me to think so it fitted in so well with the woman's whole personality it explained those hours and hours spent all alone in the yellow room where the very air with its scent of heady flowers and old perfumed stuffs seemed redolent of ghosts it explained that strange smile which was not for any of us and yet was not merely for herself that strange far-off look in the wide pale eyes i liked the idea and i liked to tease or rather to delight her with it how should i know that the wretched husband would take such matters seriously he became day by day more silent and perplexed-looking and as a result worked harder and probably with less effect at his land-improving schemes and political canvassing it seemed to me that he was perpetually listening watching waiting for something to happen a word spoken suddenly the sharp opening of a door would make him start turn crimson and almost tremble the mention of lovelock brought a helpless look half a convulsion like that of a man overcome by great heat into his face 
and his wife, so far from taking any interest in his altered looks, went on irritating him more and more. Every time that the poor fellow gave one of those starts of his, or turned crimson at the sudden sound of a footstep, Mrs. Oak would ask him, with her contemptuous indifference, whether he had seen Lovelock. I soon began to perceive that my host was getting perfectly ill. He would sit at meals, never saying a word, with his eyes fixed scrutinizingly on his wife, as if vainly trying to solve some dreadful mystery, while his wife, ethereal, exquisite, went on talking in her listless way about the mask, about Lovelock, always about Lovelock. During our walks and rides, which we continued pretty regularly, he would start, whenever in the roads or lanes surrounding Oakhurst or in its grounds, we perceived a figure in the distance. I have seen him tremble at what, on nearer approach, I could scarcely restrain my laughter on discovering to be some well-known farmer or neighbor or servant. Once, as we were returning home at dusk, he suddenly caught my arm and pointed across the oak-dotted pastures in the direction of the garden, then started off almost at a run, with his dog behind him, as if in pursuit of some intruder. "'Who was it?' I asked. And Mr. Oak merely shook his head mournfully. Sometimes, in the early autumn twilights, when the white mists rose from the parkland and the rooks formed long black lines on the palings, I almost fancied I saw him start at the very trees and bushes, the outlines of the distant outhouses, with their conical roofs and projecting veins like jibing fingers in the half-light. "'Your husband is ill,' I once ventured to remark to Mrs. Oak, as she sat for the hundred and thirtieth of my preparatory sketches. I somehow could never get beyond preparatory sketches with her. She raised her beautiful, wide, pale eyes, making as she did so that exquisite curve of shoulders and neck and delicate pale head that I so vainly longed to reproduce. "'I don't see it,' she answered quietly. If he is, why doesn't he go up to town and see the doctor? It's merely one of his glum fits. You should not tease him about Lovelock, I added very seriously. He will get to believe in him. Why not? If he sees him, why he sees him. He would not be the only person that has done so. And she smiled faintly and half perversely as her eyes sought that usual distant, indefinable something but oak got worse he was growing perfectly unstrung like a hysterical woman one evening that we were sitting alone in the smoking-room he began unexpectedly a rambling discourse about his wife how he had first known her when they were children and they had gone to the same dancing-school near portland place how her mother, his aunt-in-law, had brought her for a Christmas to Oakhurst while he was on his holidays, how finally, thirteen years ago, when he was twenty-three and she was eighteen, they had been married, how terribly he had suffered when they had been disappointed of their baby, and she had nearly died of the illness. "'I did not mind about the child, you know,' he said in an excited voice, "'although there will be an end of us now, and Oakhurst will go to the Curtises.' I minded only about Alice. It was next to inconceivable that this poor, excited creature, speaking almost with tears in his voice and in his eyes, was the quiet, well-got-up, irreproachable young ex-guardsman who had walked into my studio a couple of months before. 
Oak was silent for a moment, looking fixedly at the rug at his feet, when he suddenly burst out in a scarce audible voice, If you knew how I cared for Alice, how I still care for her, I could kiss the ground she walks upon. I would give anything, my life, any day, if only she would look for two minutes as if she liked me a little, as if she didn't utterly despise me, and the poor fellow burst into a hysterical laugh which was almost a sob. Then he suddenly began to laugh outright, exclaiming with a sort of vulgarity of intonation which was extremely foreign to him, "'Damn it, old fellow, this is a queer world we live in!' and rang for more brandy and soda, which he was beginning, I noticed, to take pretty freely now, although he had been almost a blue-ribbon man, as much so as is possible for a hospitable country gentleman, when I first arrived. End of chapter 7